looking at vulnerability as a thing because yeah. um, I saw her TED talk about it mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh yeah, like there is power in that and there's a power in that that we should talk about, mm-hmm. not just like kind of treat it like as this like elephant in the room, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It's really, really good. So just so you know, we are recording. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, hi. Hi. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Episode two. Episode. What up? Welcome back. We're very excited to be actually live live mm-hmm. um, with a really cool logo. Mm, yes. I love our logo so much. On the much. podcast app. On the podcast app. Hello. We're so official. official. Yeah, I love it. So this week we are going to be talking about heartbreak and breakups. Yes, which I'm actually really excited about because I think it's going to be very cathartic and at the same time I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time because, well not a long time, but for like the last three months because I'm just about three months out of a very traumatic and sudden breakup. So I feel like I have a lot of things to say about it. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be not only relevant but also cathartic. Yeah, I think this is something that we... um, should do as, like, just, I think it's a really great topic, but I also think, like, as your friend, I think this is going to be a really good experience for you, Mm -hmm. just because, like, I know we do talk about it, but, um, I think really breaking it down and trying to step away from it in a way that, like, you can tell, like, an audience about it, um, will help you maybe, like, right, yeah. Well, and also, I'd like to preface this by saying that Whatever I say in the next however many minutes is my personal opinion from the very unique life that I've lived and the path that I've walked and has nothing to do with anyone else. So if I say, I feel people should be doing this better than this, that, that that's not a reflection of me judging other people. It's my unique perspective on life and what I've found has been healthy in terms of coping when you're dealing with these kinds of things. Yeah. And just, just what I've seen with friends, people I care about, people I love, how they process these kinds of things... I, I see clear indicators of what is healthy and what maybe isn't the healthiest thing to do. And I, I've wanted to talk about that because even just m- most relevant for me with this breakup, I feel like I've done everything in my power to do the healthiest thing in that moment. And my ex has gone probably the opposite way in some ways. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually was going to... I was going to say something about projection and I realized it applies to what you just said about your ex and to what I'm about to preface or um, add to your comment to like anybody listening is that like when we feel attacked by things that people say a lot of the time that is our that is us projecting our own insecurities so um, his reactions being the opposite of yours um, are probably projections of his insecurity that you are moving on in healthy ways. Whereas people who would see or find defense and like what you find, you know, like what we're going to talk about, that is definitely a lot of the time a reflection of like what we're not willing to confront with our own selves. And I think healthy is defined differently for people too. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, something that is completely unhealthy to me and would only be detrimental to my healing is what you need in this moment. And I'm not there to judge that. That's your fucking choice. That's your path. And so just when you're listening to this, keep in mind that... What I'm talking about is what's healthy for me and what I've seen as a general sense of the people around me. Yeah. Which, I mean, we hang out with people who are like us in a lot of ways. Exactly. Time, so. we, yeah, and the people around us, honestly, might be more of a reflection of ourselves than we want to admit sometimes. So maybe yes. it is good to, like, look at the people around you and see... One thing I've realized as I look back at different phases of my life and who I was giving most of my time to... It was very much defined by what I needed from those people. Yeah. And, like, I, I really hope now... I mean, that was, you know... I'm talking about, like, when I was 19 and 20. I'm hoping now 
I'm functioning from a place where I'm, you know, just meeting who I meet and meeting them halfway and giving them what I can and being a healthy adult. But, like, Mm -hmm. I do know, like, for a lot of people, sometimes people never outgrow it. A lot of the time we are using people as a means to find out our own growth our own growth yeah. and that's it's not vary... necessarily a bad thing yeah yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing but I feel like there's degrees of how much you can um be aware that you're doing it to people before it becomes kind of not manipulative even just kind of you become you start using the person I would honestly feel like of what I know of what what you might talk about I, as an outside observer, it does seem like he was, a like, very drawn to your stability and to the life that you could give him. Yeah. Um, and didn't really care that he was not ready to give you everything that you deserved. Or actually was, like, very honest and direct with him of, like, this is what I want, this is what I expect. Yeah. And, and I, I, th- I think... Let me just start by saying dating as a 30-year-old in 2019... <laughs> Knowing what I want, like having this drive, being very clear about it, being very transparent about it, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Because you either find people who can't handle the transparency and think you like, you know, reveal too much too fast. Yeah. But I'm I'm 30. I don't want to waste my time yeah. for seven months from now figuring out that you eventually don't want kids. Like, yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing is, too, is, like, I used to... This is so funny that I'm, like, hearkening back to this because I didn't really watch it very much. But, like, I remember in Sex and the City, they would, like, cut to a lot of, like, dating scenes of people. And even, like, Seinfeld and stuff of people just being, like, I don't have time for this. And me kind of being, like, why do people at 30 freak out? And I'm realizing now what they're saying at 30 isn't, oh, I'm running out of time. When you say, I don't have time, you're saying, like, I've I don't spe- have time for bullshit. I've spent the time discovering that this is not what I want. This is not what I want. So I'm not going to invest more time in what I know I don't want. Yeah. 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 And I think that makes it a much more beautiful thing. So drawing back to breakups, which I'm sure 99.9% of the population can relate to, they suck no matter what. I mean, even yeah. if it's something that you want wholeheartedly and it's something that you seek out, it's still going to suck. Yeah. Or if it's something that, you know, you're getting out of a really terrible situation, it's still going to suck. Or if it's, you know, just amicable, it's still going to suck. Because I think what it comes down to is, it's not a matter of just losing someone who's a romantic partner in your life. It's, It's having to redefine who you are in life because that person was so pivotal and that person is now gone. Mm -hmm. So that part of you is now gone. Yeah. And so... Because even in a healthy balance, not even in a codependent one, they're a big part. It's not like they become your identity, but they, they're enough of your identity that like you have to rebuild after well, that. Well, they're a part of your identity in the sense of they're part of your day-to-day life. Yeah. Which I think really kind of defines who you are a lot uh, of times. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk about this because I feel like what's really important to discuss and to get out there is the kinds of ways that people cope with that, uh, that, that need to redefine who they are. Yeah. And... So often we choose things and paths that are detrimental to that growth and that healing and that involvement into who you're, you know, going to be after the fact. Yeah. You know, redefining or rediscovering who you are. I feel like people really seek out band-aids rather than healing sources. Yeah. Well, I think people confuse them. I think people look for something that makes them feel better instead of turning around and being like, okay, why is this happening? It took me a really long time to not be like, I just want this to not hurt. 
and stop saying that and turn to it and be like, okay, why am I, why am I harboring this and why am I letting it continue? Like, what am I doing and yeah. what am, why am I feeding into this? Because clearly I'm getting something right. from it. Rather than smothering the emotion, you're trying to figure out the root cause of that emotion yeah. and how to fix the problem rather than the effect. Exactly. Or the, you know, the, whatever the... Yeah. Yeah. The root cause of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where would you... Is there anywhere that you would like to start in talking about your own personal experiences? Or, like I said, I don't want to guinea pig you, but I do have some questions. Well, um, I mean, just for context, I've been through several pretty big breakups and I think this one was probably the hardest because I really truly felt like I had found my person in life and I was not only excited to experience life with this person but I was excited excited to not experience you know being single being alone dating again dealing with people ghosting you which if you ghost people just stop stop just doing stop that it. <laughs> just just text once just yeah I'm not really interested good luck out yeah, there good luck it's yeah I know I, you could honestly make friends that way. That's yeah. what people don't realize. Like, stop being awkward. Yeah, I know. God. This is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. <laughs> Just be nice. Okay, so anyway, um, like I said, this breakup was really traumatic and really abrupt. And um, I think it's just been a lot harder because I did think that this was it. Like, this was the yeah. person. And yeah. this was, you know, this wasn't going to have to happen again. And yeah. I wasn't going to have to feel this again. And I think why it's so hard is because I feel like the person that I was with didn't actually ever exist. Like the person that I thought he was, wasn't actually who he was. And so not only was that like a matter of getting over the breakup, but it was a matter of questioning my ability to judge people. It was my, (laughs) it was my, a matter of trying to figure out, okay, am I just an idiot and I don't see these things or like what's happening yeah, it was questioning myself a lot more than it was questioning the relationship yeah I think that's a really scary moment because you're like okay was it my um was it my like honeymoon rose tinted glasses that didn't see this or which is probably honestly what was happening did this person on some level know what I needed and project this person because they wanted to be the person I needed and they knew enough to like want that but they couldn't a lot of people sometimes can't measure up to that because a lot of us honestly deserve a lot more loyalty and thoughtfulness than a lot of people can offer, just even as, like, on an emotional capacity level. Yeah. I think it's probably both. M- more so the uh, projection. Yeah. Which, I mean, projection's okay to a degree because maybe that's really who you want to be. Yeah, so you're, if you're working you're, towards yeah, it. Yeah, you're fighting so hard to be that person. I mean, but no, I, I just think it was a matter of... Um, he wanted to be that person and just didn't have the capacity to be. Yeah. So. But anyway, um, I did want to talk about the kinds of behaviors that really, I think, are, are truly detrimental to yourself when you're going through a breakup. Yeah. Or, you know, even better, the kinds of behaviors that are really healthy for you. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where the difficulty comes in because the kinds of behaviors that are really healthy for you mean that you have to lean into the discomfort and lean Mm. into the pain Mm -hmm. and really work through it. And that's hard and it sucks. Yeah. But that's where the healing is. Incredibly difficult. Do you want to start with the healthy ones or the unhealthy ones? I don't really care. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to hear your unhealthy ones because I feel like there's just a lot, but I want to know what you feel like should be specified. Um, I think that anything that you do, um, that's that's incredibly impulsive. Mm. So, sleeping around with people immediately, 
um, getting super drunk all the time or getting super whatever you want to call it on whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you're not feeling the state of what you're feeling. Yeah. So um, like running away from your feelings for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think, um, anything that you do that really doesn't allow yourself to live in that moment and live in that pain is going to be detrimental to you because you're just putting it off. Yeah. That pain's still there. Yeah. You're not making it it's disappear by getting high. Yeah. You're not making it disappear by immediately fucking with someone else. And you're actually prolonging it and you're adding other traumas to it. Because right. like now you're like, why am I, why am I acting this way on top of the pain that you're procrastinating on that's not going to go, it's not going to shrink because you're ignoring it. Well, you're really also involving other people in your shit. Like yeah. people say I were to get on a dating app right after my breakup. Maybe those people that I meet and that I'm using as a means to an end are looking for actual love and connection. They're yes. not looking to be a fucking rebound. Yeah. I mean, some of them probably are, but... Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, this is where so much of the breakdown happens, is honestly, I would say it's it's not, like, half-half. I would say it's, like, 20-20-20-20. But, like, I, I think a significant amount of people that are out there are not realizing that they're doing that band-aid thing that you're talking about and they're just like well I just need somebody to get over it and I just I just I'm gonna and the thing is is like I understand that people have like oh these are tried and true like cultural band-aids but there's a reason that they don't I don't know they just don't like those conversations don't really make it out of your like teens and 20s because we don't we know secretly those things don't actually work yeah like what you need to do is like reflect on yourself you need to you need to sit in it. Like, nobody wants to sit in it, but, like, you can't, You have to. You absolutely have yeah. to. If you're going to grow from it or if you're going to benefit from it in any way, it needs to kind of just pour all over you. And I think once you actually do sit in it, it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. I don't feel like it It dulls the, like, agony of it any, but I do think that it... Um, it makes it much more cathartic of an experience to just, like, look it in the face and kind of, like, ask yourself questions about how you want to deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, um, just, you really are just prolonging the pain if you don't. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's the long and short of it. I feel like those, you covered the major ones that I would say is, like, anything that's impulsive. And I don't, I don't want to make that joke, but obviously there's always a joke of, like, you know, a girl... It's like, you know, a girl's going through something when she dyes her hair and it's just, yeah. or she dyes her hair really suddenly <laughs> or, cuts or, bangs. or cuts bangs. Yeah. And I even, get I like, piercing. I, I just got my nose pierced the other day. <laughs> yeah. Actually, both of these nose piercings happened, um, within six months of like my major like breakup. Both of my dogs were because of breakups. <laughs> yeah. <y'all>. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a good impulsivity. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, I get it, dude. I get it. I actually just made a joke like two months, like a month ago about like, I was like, yeah, uh, me bringing the mental health alarms is me saying like, maybe I should get bangs. Or like, <laughs> yeah. Because I, you, there's, there's a seeking of newness in your identity when you're doing things like you're seeking a new part of yourself. You're yeah. seeking, you are seeking something you're that shows you a part a of quick yourself. fix that shows you're changed and you're better. Or maybe it's just a distraction, too. Because yeah. you're just like, I don't want to deal with this. Let me just deal with this. Listen, if you're thinking about getting bangs right now, text your therapist or your hairstylist. Yeah, for, for Both real. Both of them will talk you out of it. For real. I honestly, I do this. Like, I, my stylist is, like, one of my really good friends at any time. I'm just like, I'm thinking about it. She's like, girl, like, you have curly do hair. Do not. Don't, don't be, don't do it. And I'm like... I personally love curly bangs, but I also know when I'm rational that I cannot pull that off. No. Okay, so I am going to um, 
one thing I wanted to touch on later, maybe we can close out with this, is what about friend breakups? Um, but I, we could either talk about that or I could ask you one of my questions. Let's start with the questions. Okay. Um, I think friend, friend breakups are definitely important, for sure. And so real and super painful. Super painful. Ugh. Because sometimes it's bigger than a relationship. I'm yeah. I'm going through that right now and it's the worst. Um, they probably don't know that until right now, but sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to re-examine how you treat me. Um, oh, snap. Do, you, <laughs> do you think the hurt is different if you're the one that is wrong or the one that is wronged? Um, I do think it's different for sure. Okay. I think being in the wrong, you live with a certain level of guilt that's really hard to get past mm-hmm. because you have to do some serious self-work with that. And I think that if you're wronged, there's an odd amount of, there's an odd amount of vindication or almost like superiority with that. Oh yeah. Because okay. you didn't fuck up, the other person did. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you, you for sure can play victim. Yeah. But, but that might be what I think I mean what you you say are because it's like a more appropriate way to say that is like it's like a you know you did right it's and you not even that you did right but mm-hmm. there is there's a certain validation in it for sure. Well, I also think that if you're the one who's wronged, it's a lot harder to still take the time to do the self work where you look in and figure out what you did wrong in that relationship because no relationship is perfect, no person is perfect, and I think that there's always room for growth, there's always room for reflection and change. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're wrong, you're so focused on the wrong that you don't think to take the time to be like, all right, well, that happened. I'm going to process it and then I'm going to move on to what I actually need to work on as a partner too. Yeah. I think you are hitting on gold right there because I think a really big uh, blinder that gets put up when you are the wronged one is that you don't have to look at what you did. Yeah. And it's very I did easy wrong. not to. Yeah. It's very easy not to because especially depending on the magnitude of the wronging, you could very well just fall into coping mechanisms, which is exactly what I did. I, like, fell into coping mechanisms. And I remember, like, I, I, I was a long time ago, but I remember, like, even giving myself future forgiveness. Like, I was like, okay, you're about to be, like, a hot mess. Figure yourself out. But I remember giving myself permission to do that. And I honestly wish I hadn't because I went off the deep end. And yeah. um, I didn't do anything, like, drastic or, like, life-changing that, like, has had, like, permanent, like, consequences. But... I just made a lot of choices that I wouldn't have made now and that were made in a lot of impulse. And I, yeah. I, I felt very wronged. And I, I can tell you it took me years and years and years to even consider that I played any part in it and, like, come to realize, like, I was, I was probably to blame. So, like, it's, there's just, like, a lot of, like, gray area that you figure out, I think, as time comes on. And yeah. it makes it easier to... But I think it's also important, I think you had kind of a good intention with that, that you wanted to feel what you were feeling, mm-hmm. and I think that's so important to acknowledge what you're feeling and not just try to brush it under the rug, like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, you're not, no, and you're that's not. okay. Yeah. I mean, there were weeks in the beginning of this breakup where I didn't get out of bed other than to go to work, and that was okay. I allowed myself that time. I knew eventually it would Girl, end. you made it to work. Like, yeah. kudos to you. Well, it was a brand new job, so I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Not much coping right there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I mean, I allowed myself the time to feel what I was feeling in the moment, and I knew that at some point that was going to have to change, and I was going to have to move forward with my life. Um, and I think it was so so important to be able to acknowledge, yeah, I'm fucking hurt. I'm yeah. gonna allow myself to feel that way, and I'm yeah. gonna do what it feels you know what feels healthy and right to me in this moment to take care of myself, because I think. 
that's the most important part of it is that you now have this perfect opportunity to listen to you, listen to what your body mm-hmm. is telling you and respect it and feed into it and nurture it and heal it. Yeah. And I think, especially for me, being the kind of person who puts everyone before me before me. Yeah. Um, I'm so bad at that. Yeah. And this was such a wonderful opportunity to become better at listening to me, listening to my body, listening to what I was feeling, listening to my thought process, listening to my inner dialogue and trying to figure out why am I feeling that way and how do I process it? Yeah, and move forward from yeah. that. Yeah, because when this first when this first happened, I thought there was no way I was gonna be able to process any of it. Yeah, I was in such a haze and such a. Like you feel a, dumbfounded. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was absolutely speechless internally, yeah. externally, all of it, and I yeah. couldn't. I could not move forward. I think there is. There's always that moment of like I don't want to <laughs> go nuclear, but for real, like that that a bomb moment where like right after it drops, there's just that like sucking in of air. Of, like, silence before everything, like, finally comes, like, you yeah. know, like, comes to a crescendo. So I think maybe we do kind of pause before we, like, dive into that because we know that, like, I don't know. That numbness. Our brains are trying to protect us. You're, yeah. Even emotionally, I think your body can put you into shock. Like, actually, yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not going to say I think. I'm, like, 100% yes. sure that 1, you can 1,000%. That. Yeah. that numbness, that shock, that's part of the process. You have to acknowledge it. You have to sit with it. Allow it to happen. Yeah. Because if you, if you don't, it's going to come back eventually. Exactly. Another thing, too, that you're touching on is, like, of, of uh, listening to yourself. I think people really, really underestimate, even if you're, because I, I'm very, very bad at this, um, putting putting other people ahead of you to a fault. Not just, like, oh, you're a nice person, but, like, to a fault to the point where you don't prioritize yourself, you you put your own mental health to, the, to a detriment to serve other people. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really, even if you're not that kind of person, it is really easy to not realize that you are not asking yourself how you feel when you're in a partnership. This, I'm in a long-term relationship and I, I, that's something that I'm really realizing in the past like year or two is that like, I, I very much, we both have very big personalities, but I very much get let myself get eclipsed because I'm always like well no I just it doesn't really matter to me I want to do what he wants to do well how much of that is conditioning based on not only just society as a general but being a woman (laughs) you are a good daughter or a good friend or a good wife if you put other people if you take care of other people yeah you are you're the nurturer yeah you are here to make sure everyone else is okay like that's your role as a woman especially in a marriage yeah which is I don't agree with that just yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, it's, it's, that's the societal expectation. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I think that people would do so much better if they just thought, you know, I want to say no to this. So I'm going to say no to this. Yeah. And guess what? The world's not going to implode if I don't go to this friend's cat's birthday, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting better at saying no to things I don't want to say. And you know, the, uh, you know, the term FOMO. Yeah. Missing out. Um, <laughs> I saw Jomo the other day, which yeah. is the joy of missing out. <laughs> And I think there's so much power in that and I so love, much truth to that. I live in Jomo, dude. Yes. I mm, lock my door. I'm not going anywhere. I'm Guess fine what? With it. Last three months, I've been needing to stay at home and binge watch Friends and The Office and whatever the hell I can find on Netflix. Yeah. And it's been cathartic. Yeah. We have uh, my my go-to, like, feel-good um, just background show lately has been Portlandia. I don't know if you've nice. touched on that one, yes. but that one's fun. I think this is a good point not to go to another question, but to go back on what you were talking about earlier about unhealthy and healthy habits. 
and go over because I feel like with unhealthy habits, I, the overarching theme was like impulsive decisions don't always lead to the best thing. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there's one for healthy habits? Because I know there's like hundreds of things that we could do that are healthy, and like a lot of them would fall under like yeah, you know, work out, eat, eat right, blah blah blah. Yeah, things yeah, yeah. you should be doing normally. Yeah. Um, I think really uh, listening to yourself. Yeah. Listening to what do I need in this moment? Checking in with yourself on a daily, hourly, God. weekly, you know, minute-by-minute minute basis. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've felt that pounding in my chest, that sinking stomach feeling in my stomach, and I'm thinking, okay, why am I feeling this? Yeah. How do I work through this? Because I don't want to feel this again in 20 minutes. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, I'm just going to distract myself by cleaning the countertop. Yeah. While I'm, you know, participating in these unhealthy, anxious habits. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize, um, I noticed it the other day that there are certain times that, um, so part of my anxiety is, like, my shoulders will just, like, they'll just tighten up with my neck and I'll find myself, like, I just, I get really bad posture and my neck just, like, super tight and I'll start to feel, like, the top of my head will start to tingle because I, like, another thing, too, is, like, your circulation is bad, your body's just under a lot of stress, and I've just noticed it just feels like all of these muscles, like, from the top of my head to, like, halfway down my back are all just, like, contracting a lot, Mm -hmm. and I've noticed lately that I have just let myself get used to that instead of acknowledging when it happens and kind of being like, yo, this is not, you don't have to feel like this. Don't live like this. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And what is making you feel this way? Yeah, my thing is I'll start getting really shaky or my jaw will be clenched. Yeah. So every, you know, few hours I'll stop and think, okay, what am I physically feeling? Yeah. And what am I emotionally feeling? Yeah. And why? Yeah. I think the why is really important. Because Because I think it makes you... Makes you ask yourself why. Yeah. And if it's something like, oh, well, no shit, I'm going through my ex's social media right now looking for clues that he's dating someone else. Stop. Why are you doing that? Exit the building. Yeah. (laughs) Go outside and listen to the wind or sit on the ground, feel the ground, whatever. Whatever you need to do to acknowledge that the behavior you're participating in is not to your benefit. It is physically making you... You are just feeding into an insecurity. Yeah, stressed. Yeah. You need to go outside and do something or go pet a dog or Go whatever. pet a dog, for sure. Yeah. Get get that serotonin and dopamine yeah. balance, you be, know what I mean? Be in tune with what you're feeling physically and emotionally. So I feel like you might have already talked about this, but maybe there is something else that you... Because it's, it's for this time in particular. What has been the most valuable lesson for you this time around? I mean, you might not have discovered it yet. There's probably 5,000 more lessons coming, but I don't know if maybe there's... Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot for sure. I think the most valuable lesson I've learned is to accept the state you're in, regardless of the timeline you've been on. I don't care if it's been three minutes or three years since you break up. If you're still hurting from it, that is your God-given right. And nobody else gets to dictate how far along in the process you should be or should not be. And so... Like, for example, my therapist, um, I was going to her weekly after this happened. Mm-hmm. And I just switched to every other week mm-hmm. because she thinks I'm doing better. And she's asking me, well, are you ready to date yet? I'm thinking, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's been a number of months and my ex is also dating, whatever. Like, that's not... <laughs> but that's not your time. That's not where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that being okay with where you're at not forcing yourself to move forward at any pace that you need to move at um, or that is being told that you need to move at, you really need to respect where you are. Yeah. And oh, be okay with it because 
Well, there's no way that you're going to grow past it if you're punishing yourself for being in it. Yeah. There's you no know, growth this whole, it, The second you start hearing yourself say, I should, just stop right just there. Just stop, yeah. You know? If it's not an I could... Yeah. Like, okay, this is what I should not do. <laughs> I just said exactly what you shouldn't do. Yeah. But I I completely agree with you. Um, Kind of, it's not on my list of questions, but I'm just wondering, because I, I personally feel probably differently than a lot of people about this, but do you do you think that you ever stop loving a person? No. Not friend or otherwise. No, but here's the tricky thing with that. Um, the person that I'm still in love with in this most recent uh, relationship... I don't think really exists. Yeah, you, you mentioned so that. So I loved the person that I thought he was. Mm-hmm. I loved the life we had. I loved those things. And I were, if I were to see him on the street, it's not like I'd go up and sock him in the face. I'd still feel love for him. Yeah. Because I think that he has the potential to be that person. He does because he showed it to you. Even yeah. if it was fake, you need, to, you need to have that ability in you to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think that if you... Yeah, I think I think really you you just a part of you never stops loving the things that you shared together because mm-hmm. they were so amazing and sacred. And Nothing changes them. No, not at all. Yeah, and I think that was um, what you were saying about like being on your own timeline for a long time for me because I, um, yeah, I don't know, I I didn't deal very well with my previous relationship ending and it took me a really long time to even start dealing with it healthily so it took me a really long time to forgive myself because I think what I was doing for a long time is as I was cycling through trying really really hard to get over it and then punishing myself for not being over it yet and then going back to like mourning it all over again and like feeling sorry for myself because I didn't know what I was doing and a lot of that too was exactly what you're saying is like seeing that like the person I was in a relationship had like moved on so thoroughly and like was as far as you could see as far as I could see and the thing is is like that's another thing too is like as an adult now like not everybody's in this situation but like I also like we still have a friendship and like in looking back on it now I think we can both admit very like confidently that like no you don't your feelings change in a way, but it's not that, like, you're not feeling the things that those... Per- it's not like you're the only one that was hurting. People yeah. just people just hurt differently. Yeah. That's a really important thing to remember. If you ever feel alone in a breakup, just know... Have some comfort in knowing that you are not ever alone. Because <laughs> ever. that's one thing that I've, I've found a good friend throughout this process who's also going through a shitty breakup with someone very similar to my ex. And... Just knowing that this person who is different from me, has had a different life from me, is feeling the same things mm-hmm. I'm feeling. It's such an empowering and welcoming thing mm-hmm. that it's just so important to remember you're not alone. Even if you literally are alone in a room and you're forcing yourself to be in there to process this or whatever, at, at any second you could go outside and be with someone and they could be empathetic to what you're feeling because yeah. I guarantee you they felt it at some point yeah. before. Yeah, especially too as you get older, like I think um, there's there's just a lot of common ground to be found when we talk about heartbreak because I think we've all felt it on some level. It might be for a pet, it might be for a, like a dear friend who like your relationship changed with, and for a lot of us it is like a like a long term relationship that like you would kind of you'd put all of your eggs in that basket. And I think that's when when we're talking about like the the breakup that I'm talking about, the breakup that you're talking about. They're both the kind of one that you had put all of your eggs in that basket. Yes. And, like, I'm not in a position now where, like, that holds a lot of emotion for me as far as that. Because, like, I'm in, I'm, I love the relationship I'm in now or else I wouldn't be in it. But <laughs> um, 
it doesn't change the fact that, like, there is such a... How do I phrase this? There is such a disparity of, like, where you're going to draw trust or hope from to be able to do this again. Because you feel so, like... I feel like blindsided is the word that I'm looking for because when you put all your eggs in that basket, you are also, you're doing it because the other person is like looking you eye to eye and saying like, I yeah, see you. I'm putting all my eggs in this same basket. All of our eggs are in the same basket. Yeah. Come to find out later, like that person just didn't want to look away because they were scared and like they've kept all of their own eggs because they don't want them to crack. And like, that's yeah. fine. But like you broke all my eggs in the process. Yeah. Sorry for the egg analogy. I don't know. Really. <laughs> So I just think, like... Now I want breakfast food. <laughs> I know, right? I really want a burrito. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just... There's a lot to be said in what what we're willing to do to other people when we're afraid of hurt ourselves. And that doesn't excuse anybody, but, like, damn, we can really be shitty to each other when, yeah. when we do that. And not to say that I haven't done that in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I've fucked up people's emotional states Probably more than once. Yeah. You know? Well, even I think, like, I'm in a long-term relationship. That doesn't mean that we haven't... I should probably... I'm married. But, like, I think <laughs> a, a thing, too, is, like, there. it's not like that is exclusive of heartbreak. Like, you can be really mean to your partner. You can get into fights that get really yeah. ugly. You can... You go through things long-term with somebody that can... It Like, the only thing that it's comparable to is, like, those ugly family fights from when you were little that nobody yeah. really talks about. But we all had them. Everybody had those, like, weird fights where, like, everybody in the house was just on edge and something just happened. Like, yeah. that that is going to, that's going to be much more likely to happen in, like a, like, a long-term relationship than it is, like, oh, this, you know, this fond memory I'm looking back on of, like, a, like a long-term thing that yeah. I know was, like, a really, it was a hard breakup for me, but, like... Breakups and heartbreak are not, all breakups, I think, cause heartbreak, but not all heartbreak are breakups. So I think it's important to remember that, like, I mean, we lost our cat last New Year's and that was, that's like the most heartbroken I've been in a very long time. And like, we're still dealing with that. So it's, it's just weird to remember all of the, like, the nuance of, of how to grieve and all of the different ways that you need to know how to do it based off of like what your relationship was, was yeah. with that person. If that makes sense. And also sense. keep in mind that none of us know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, someone who, Thank someone, you for bringing who that up. someone who spouts off that they know exactly how to handle life. They're a liar. They're a liar and they're scared. <laughs> yeah. We like, are all struggling. We all don't know what the hell we're doing. We're all taking it moment and by it's moment. Okay. And trying to do the best we can. I think where we, where we mess that up is trying to act like we aren't doing that trying to punish people for not doing that yeah. i think is just bizarre yeah can i ask you another question yes um how is your next relationship oh wait okay how is your next relationship going to be different from what you learned of the one before it like how will i take what i've learned and how will you apply what you've learned in- into a new relationship like what do you think will be specifically that in the next relationship, is there anything in the next relationship that you're like, well, I know when I'm ready again, I will not do. Yes. Yeah. And the biggest thing is to listen to my gut. Okay. Because holy shit, if your subconscious (laughs) does not know better than you. God. And my Lord, if I had listened to my gut so many times at the, at any point in this relationship, I feel like I'd be in a much different, oh, I'd be in the same spot, but it would be, um, more on my terms, I guess. And, uh, I, I truly feed into the 
conspiracy theory, if you want to call it, that your subconscious is taking all of this in and processing it and then coming out in, like, a stomach turn or whatever. And it's so important to listen to that. Yeah. And I think um, that's definitely the biggest thing I'm going to bring into my next relationship is not be paranoid, of course. Or no, not like... but I think what you're saying is just, like, you're you're going to have more faith in yourself. You're yeah. You're going to listen to yourself more. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, once you're with someone for long enough, you can read their intricacies yeah. without them having to say or do anything. Yeah. Like you were saying last episode that you, you can tell when, you know... You were Sam can tell when each other's in a bad mood, yeah. Just by the state of yeah. your being. I always say his air feels weird because, yeah. like, literally the air around him will feel different. Well, I'm like, no, I can tell. Yes. Like, yeah, and, and he'll say the same to me. Yeah. And the amount of times that I allowed myself to write that off in this relationship mm-hmm. and say, "You're being paranoid. You need to come from a place of trust rather than the suspicion or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck you want to call it." Mm-hmm. And had I just listened to myself and thought, "Well, maybe there's a reason why I'm feeling this, and I need to acknowledge that and respect it," I think that. As long as you set boundaries to that, of course. Yeah. And don't allow it to become, I distrust everyone until they've proven my their worth or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that that's such an amazing lesson to learn. And the amount of times that I've listened to my gut in the past is very scarce. Yeah. Well, I think that it really, it just comes down to just like, oh, no, wait, like I... I did, I did know better and I, I should have just listened to you. It's, it's almost like when, uh, parents don't like listen to their kids cause they're like, oh, well you're too young to know. And you're just mm-hmm. like, oh wait, you had the right answer the whole time. Like, yeah. maybe I should have just listened to you. I think that's such a subtle way to put that, but I think it, um, it makes a big difference in how we see ourselves because it also just teaches you more trust in yourself in yeah. general, if that makes sense. Yeah. I also feel like I learned how to fight, um, better in this relationship too. Yes. Um, we had a lot of really blow out, like, knock down, drag out fights, mm-hmm. and God, they just felt like I would take a second in that fight and think, who the hell am I right now? Like, this is not who I want to be or who yeah. I identify myself as. How did I allow this to happen? Yeah. And I uh, spent a lot of time in therapy, which I've talked about, like, seven times in this yeah. episode. No, it's Whatever. Good. Therapy's no, great. Therapy's great. I want yeah. all... I mean, what, what did we say? If you think you need therapy, you should go. If you don't think you need therapy, you should definitely go. <laughs> yes. Like, that's just... I, I think therapy cannot hurt. Yeah. But um, I've learned a lot of really great communication and abilities to... M- not mitigate fights, but kind of diffuse fights. Yes. And approach it from a place of calmness and understanding rather than like, oh, I'm fucking ready to go. Let's go right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, remembering and realizing that that reaction is self-defense. Yes. That reaction is your brain being like, I don't want to talk about this. This hurts. Yeah. Let's make this ugly well, so we both stop. It's chemical. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, a process of your brain. It's that it's just your hormones raging. Yeah. You know? it really, I don't want to live like that. It really did take me. I, um, I, I've really tried to break down, um, my own anger, uh, for a long time to try to understand it because like, that's how my, that's how my anxiety manifests itself. I like, I get very angry because I feel like that's the only way that I can defend myself. I, it's, and I didn't realize that until I was in therapy. It was just like, it was literally just for phrasing. Like she mentioned something about aggression and I realized all, it just like clicked for me. I was like, Oh, my body like my brain is literally creating like I don't know which one is for aggression but it's literally making me more aggressive because I am hurt and I don't want I don't want that person anywhere near me and like we like talked about this because like we were talking about like just coping mechanisms and fighting that like I don't want you anywhere near me and I'm gonna make you stop and the only way to make you stop is to like be louder than you or meaner than you and like with Sam I would just literally just be like I don't care and just like shut down and I think it would be really easy to kind of just 
um, think that I was justified in my anger and yes. not realize that, like, oh, that's a defense mechanism. You're doing that out of anxiety. And, like, now that I've literally, it, it, it's so simple to say, as soon as you recognize the behavior, every time it happens, you're going to be like, God damn, why am I, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I think that's Well, and how many part. times after those huge bursts of anger did you have moments of real vulnerability and, and um sometimes fear and love some of the most honest conversations we've ever had have been honestly that's it's because i think when when it gets really explosive like that and it gets really ugly you have you know that you've done damage to each other and i think at those points you've shown you've already shown vulnerability in hurting each other and that's a, a really weird way to put that but like I think at that point you both realize, like, maybe I don't have anything to lose because I've already fucked this up. Like, let's just talk about this. And yeah. for, I don't know. That's not healthy, but, like, we, we don't do that anymore. But for a long time, that's how we learn is, like, you get really angry and defensive and you get all your defensiveness out. And then once your defensiveness is gone, it's like, look, the reason I said that is this, this, and this. Yeah. You well, want to work out how to not do that, but you know what I mean. I think on the flip side, it's important to acknowledge that being at that level of anger and rude to your partner shows a level of vulnerability in your relationship, knowing that they're not going to just sit up and walk away from this Mm -hmm. when you're this angry and mean at them Mm -hmm. because you know that they have a connection and a tie and a commitment to this. So I think that really is... And they know you outside of that anger. Yeah, and I think that is another form of vulnerability. It's like a trust. though it's not... Yeah, it's not the most healthy. But yeah, after every huge fight we'd have, we'd have these astoundingly close moments and I hated that it always came to that yeah and I I remember catching myself one time in a fight thinking well at least we'll have this moment after this fight after we're done screaming at each other and I was like I need to get that's that that's that right that moment is when you realize like oh this is abusive and it doesn't matter if it's mutually abusive an abusive relationship isn't abusive because what you're doing like we're not saying like you're hitting somebody you are saying that you are both abusing the respect and the boundaries that you have for each other. Like, those are just not ways that you treat, A, anybody, and B, definitely not the person that you want to put closest to you. If you're seeking out fights knowing that at the end of the fight there's going to be this wonderful moment... You need to find another way to get to that moment, dog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's not the best situation. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't have a conversation about why that moment exists... And that, honestly, the reason that we ended up, like, even trying counseling was because we just, there was, like, a fight we were having that we were, like, we literally, we cannot get two words into this conversation, in this fight, without immediately going for each other's throats and immediately getting into a fight. Yeah. So, like, we, we, we can't have this conversation without somebody. Mediator. And we literally, I was, like, we need, a, I was, like, and I was a peer mediator in high school, so it felt really weird because I was, like... I thought this was really superfluous and that this was, like, a weird thing. Like, why would anybody need, like, a chaperone? And then you realize you act right when mom is home. Yep. So, like, you you find a way to talk to each other when someone else is there that you might it's not respectful. have the patience for yes. when you're by yourself. Yes. And, like, eh, it's not, I don't know how, how it's not, I'm not saying it's healthy long term, but, like, getting to the point where you can admit that and, like, find the help to do that I yeah. think we don't I mean that's the thing is like now we don't now we're like hey look I can hear myself getting defensive I'm gonna take a break let's come back in five minutes yeah. and talk about this the point is yeah. that you find the tools that you need in order to get to the point where you don't have to have the negativity you can just have a lot more of the positivity definitely a lot more of the progress and the growth and the communication definitely yeah okay um <sighs> this one's ugh. Are you allowed to help each other through it? 
And then, depending on what you say to that, should you? Okay. <laughs> so, here's the thing. I tried to do that this time. Mm-hmm. I tried to wean him off of me. Mm. Because... I shouldn't have. Because you were trying to not hurt him. I was and trying, trying to be as nice as possible. I was trying to to be as kind as I could. And I think that once it got to... The, he knew what was happening. Yeah. He, he knew I was weaning him off. He knew yeah. when the photos of us started disappearing from social media or I unfollowed, like, his location and he, he unfollowed mine. He knew what was happening. Yeah. It's no secret. Like, people aren't that dumb. Yeah, yeah. People know what's going on. And I had such good intentions of making this an easier landing for him than it actually became. But I think at the end of it, it was just prolonging the inevitable. It was another Band-Aid. Yeah. And I think it's so hard to go cold turkey, and I didn't. But you should. But what happened was I didn't actually start grieving until I went cold turkey. Okay. Until yeah. we stop contact. Until I let go. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like... I don't want to... Um, I don't want to say it, but I mean, it kind of makes sense because they all work off the same things. They're all chemicals in your brain. Like, it kind of... Like, you do need a withdrawal period. You do... I, I, I'm I, a firm believer that no matter how much respect you think you can have for this person later or if you're going to rekindle or whatever, if it's a break, whatever it is, there does need to be complete separation for... You need Even to be briefly. able to stand on your own two feet again. You need to be able to look at yourself without somebody else there. Yeah, you need to be able to wake up in the morning and think, I feel hopeful about life, rather than, oh, The fuck, fuck is today going to break? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, I, get, I definitely get both sides of it. I get, you know, not wanting to just go, boom, this is my life, drastic change, boom, all at once. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it yeah. sucks, I mean, it's terrible, but uh, at the same time, I was definitely just... Uh, you know, delaying the inevitable, and I didn't didn't truly start grieving. The thing was, I thought I had started grieving. You, yeah, you feel I, yourself. I felt happy. I was like yeah. singing in the car on the way to work. That's because music is good. That's yeah. not because you know what I mean. <laughs> no, but I I mean I was like <laughs> hey. into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as we stopped talking, we stopped. We completely separated our lives. I. I felt like I got worse than before when the breakup first happened. Because you were going through withdrawals again. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, okay, now the band-aid's finally off. Yeah. And I think what you were doing, um, it's from that helper personality is like, you're trying to go through his side of the breakup for him when all you really need to do is shut down. Like you said, cold turkey, that's the perfect word for it. You need to shut down that part of yourself because that's essentially what you're doing and you need to deal with what you need to get yeah. out of that and to cope in the healthiest way possible because that's what you're doing is you guys are finding ways to do this separately. I don't think that weaning yourself off a of heroin works. It does not. <laughs> you are you're right. Yeah. Um I wish it did, but it does not. I wish it did. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. Um breakup survival must haves. I mean, if you have pets, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah. Um if you have a, a, an interim friend therapist, someone that you can text if you want to text your ex, or you can talk to, talk through, whatever, or several friends like that. Um, Instead as, of a rebound, too. Yeah, <laughs> as long as your friendship doesn't remain that way, because I think friend therapists are horrible. I mean, they're great in a very short period I of time. I think you should definitely be able to rely on your friends, but some of us will get stuck on that side of the spectrum and forget that our friends are people. And it's emotionally exhausting. Yeah. And your friend doesn't deserve that. Yeah. But your friend... Check in with your friend. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I definitely think that uh, allowing yourself to eat what you want to eat within reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, honestly, have the ice cream. Just don't eat the whole tub. 
Um, or I think, eat the whole tub over the week. Yes. <laughs> I think the most important things are um, really getting down to the very basics of what you need as a human being. And that is ample sleep, um, comfort and safety, and uh, sunshine, water, fresh air, and then people who love you. You are an absolutely brilliant person. I couldn't agree with you more. Because those are all just... Those are like the raw, real things that we're all really here for, and mm-hmm. I think it really comes down to that when... I think, too, there's never been anything that feels more soothing when you're heartbroken than, like, spending time with loved ones. Yes. I oh, think that's, like, I, I've a really... seen my parents more over the last few months than I have over the last two years. And it's so nurturing. It just yeah. it feels so good. It's and like... We don't need to talk about it. You know, they know what happened. They're on board with it. They still love me unconditionally, and they're going to support me, and that's all that matters. One of the coolest things that my mom does all the time is... um. When she sees me getting worked up or she's, like, talking about something she knows I don't want to talk about and she's, like, asking me questions and she can hear me get stressed out. Mm -hmm. If I'm with her in person, she'll immediately be like, do you want to go to the backyard? Let's Mm -hmm. go look at the flowers. Mm Because my mom has, like, a beautiful garden. My mom does that, too. I love it. Let's smell the Daphne. Yeah. I just, like, go outside. She's always like, let's just, let's go over by the jasmine. (laughs) But there's a reason she does that. And it's because that's her, that's her self-soothing. Yeah. Yeah. When we, and even now, like I'm saying like, yeah, long term, we even still get into, obviously we still argue. My thing, I immediately go outside and I start pruning plants and Mm -hmm. readjusting them and watering and Mm -hmm. I start doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just what gives you, what my, I always advise people when like people ask me about anxiety is that, um. Something that pulls you out of your head, like helping something else and using your hands are the two biggest things for me as far as like coping with anything. I just feel like it pulls me out of my head just enough and it can just, it can be any task. It doesn't matter. It just, it's a really good way to uh, funnel your energy into something else rather than just like sitting in it. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, when I'm about to have a panic attack, I start counting by threes Mm. or I put a piece of candy in my mouth. And I focus on the taste, the texture, what my mouth's reacting to, all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's this, you know, mindfulness thing. And you don't, um, not like chew it. You just literally let like, it sit let it there melt. and yeah. melt. Yeah. yeah. So have you heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? A long time ago, but I would love if you'd go over that again. So, um, I think it's kind of more of like a business model type of thing. Uh, oh no, it's not. No, no, no it's wait. totally psychological. Is this it's totally psychological. But you can use it in business models. Yeah, I think they use it in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And so... That's um, where I learned it. In- <laughs> yeah. So if you picture a pyramid, um, the things that you need on the very bottom are the absolute most fundamental, like literally your foundation of what every human being needs. Yeah. And then as you move up the pyramid, up to the very point, you're getting into the most like important things that become more and more hard, that are harder to attain. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's a good uh, thing to look at when you are going through a traumatic event like this because you really do need to start from the bottom up again. And the very bottom is... Kind of like reprioritize. Yeah, the very bottom is your basic needs, the most bottom being your physiological needs, food, water, warmth, rest. And then the next step up right above that is security and safety. And if you can just start there, just work on those things and not focus on anything else, Yes. I think that you're going to have a much better time in the long run getting through it. I think that is really, really amazing advice. I mean, yeah, and, and beyond beyond that, it goes up to psychological needs of belonging and love, and then esteem, like prestige and feeling of accomplishment, and, and like then going up to, to work. And yeah, stuff. and then up to self actualization, 
self-actualization, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, achieving your full potential and having creative activities and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just, just focus on the bare minimum. Yeah. Honestly. I think too, I think that's what a, a common mistake people make is just getting so caught up in distracting themselves that yeah, they forget like, like... I need to pretend like I'm all right. I yeah. need to show the world that at, I'm out here having my best life. Dude, with social media too... We haven't even addressed the aspect of social media during a breakup. If you guys try to remain friends or if you don't remain friends, depending on how long you were friends, all the mutual friends you have, all of these different subtleties that you never had to deal with before that now, like, like the only reason I still even know who or where or what my ex is, is because of social media and because of the common friends that we have. So it's just like, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And I know people always say, don't look at their social media. And if you can do that, I applaud you. I cannot. Because I am so... Are you guys cu- still friends? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. But I still, you know... You've, you look. I still look because I just... You can't It's, not. it's so um, masochistic of me. Is that the right word? I think it is, but I also think it might be cathartic. But I don't, I, I think don't cathartic might be too optimistic because I feel like what I'm doing is I'm putting like a positive spin Well, here's on, the thing. If I don't see anything behavior. I don't like, it's cathartic because it reassures my, my belief that he's struggling just as much as I am. But if it, but if it reassures my thought that he's moved on, he's happier, he's this wasn't a big deal, else. Yeah. It, it, it hurts like hell. Okay. And like rest assured, I think something that we all need to hear is that even if you were dating, like, an unfeeling asshole, not you, I'm not saying that about that person, anybody, um, even if you think that they were completely disengaged, know 100% that it affects them. I think that's a, an important thing that we forget, that, like, people who do shitty things are not going to want to think about or project the shitty things that they do, so they might really act like they're fine, but, like... Unless you never know somebody's internal... Unless they're a sociopath. Unless I mean. you're a, a legitimate sociopath. Yeah. And we've talked about narcissism, too. Or and narcissist, honestly, narcissism yeah. really, really guards you from self-examining yourself correctly because you are... You can do no wrong in yes. your own eyes. So I feel like that's 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 an asterisk on that that I should definitely include. Yeah. Because I feel like Unless you have it. something that's in the psychological handbook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you probably feel some sort of remorse or sadness towards its breakup. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like, I think we, um, our insecurity is so hard to quiet in those moments of just, like, well, did, did I even matter? Did they even care? There are moments where, like, I ask myself questions that the only benefit of the question, no matter what the answer is, is to hurt me. And I'm wondering, I'm like, and I, I saw this on a meme and I always, you know, memes are the the gurus of the future, I guess. But it was something that was like, <laughs> would you would you be friends with somebody who talked to you like you talked to yourself? And no. I was just like, God, I would I would never. I would never and I, I really do try to change that and I, I'm I've gotten a lot better about it. But even even today, like even jokingly I like I called myself an idiot because and it was funny. I was laughing. It was a silly mistake I made about but It would hurt you if someone else said it to you. But if some if Sam had been like, Wow, you're such an idiot like I would not have thought it was funny at yeah. all. So you know what I do is um, I think of the person I'm most protective of in the world, mm-hmm. and that's my niece. She just turned 16. She's she's so 16? I know. Oh, my God. Right? I feel the same way. But anyway, I think about her name's Hannah. If she was in this situation, if she was feeling the way that I'm feeling right now, what advice would I give her or that's what beautiful. words would I say to her? And that has helped me so much with so many things because for the longest time, I would say for the first 25 years of my life, 
I had a very negative internal dialogue. Yeah. Which I think is... Very common. Not, yeah, not uncommon. I yeah. think that a lot of women yeah. feel that. Yeah. And they have this, you know, self-deprecating uh, dialogue. Well, you intake what society tells you to tell you about yeah. yourself. And so if, if I were my niece, what would I say to her? Mm-hmm. And it, it's never rude. It's never... It's you could do better. Yeah, it's 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 compassionate. It's empathetic. It's loving. It's caring. Which it's, you have the capacity. For. That's the thing. Yeah. Is like you have the capacity for that for other people. And another thing, again, read an article online. It was like the the person that you spend the most time with is your internal dialogue. Yeah. There's no person on the planet you're gonna spend more time with. Yeah. And it having that be the toxic voice in your head, I think goes much farther than people think it does. Well, and who's going to be a better advocate for yourself than yourself? Than you. Yeah. Nobody else knows what's going on as much as you do. Yeah. For sure. I really like what you said about your niece though. Cause I think that's, it's a really good way to, um, remember to stay soft. And I talk about that a lot, but I think it's, it's really hard for us to do. And I know, especially as somebody who's always known you, like, I know how special she is to you. And, like, I know that that's someone who you will always stay soft for. So yeah. to, to be able to bring that tenderness and, like, remind yourself, like, you are deserving of that, too. I think that's, yeah. that's an, an incredibly important thing to remember. One is choosing to come from a place of love rather than fear. Yes. Absolutely important. Yes. Is there anything that you feel like you want to definitely bring up about breakups before we... Um, yes, I want to say that, uh, two things. One, if you're thinking about going through a breakup, but you're feeling obligated to stay in the relationship, of course, communicate with your partner, but you are under no obligation to stay with someone if it's unhealthy to your life, if you don't want to be there. And I think that people often forget that because they have this loyalty and this commitment. And I think at the end of the day, you really need to evaluate yourself and your life. Yeah. And make what's the best choice for you. Yeah. And I know that gets very complicated with marriage and children, and I'm not not by any, yeah. I'm I'm not by any means an expert on any of that, having that neither. But um, but I, think I do it's think important it's to important acknowledge to who you are and what you need from life. Yeah, especially as an autonomous person, especially if you're a wife and mother, because a lot of your identity can get eclipsed in that, yeah. and you are still a whole person. I'm really not trying to make anybody break up, but I no, just, communicate it though. It's just important that like, if that's something you're thinking about, you need to Talk communicate that yeah. because the only thing that's going to happen with that and cause there's in any relationship, especially in a marriage, there's only two ways that's going to go. You're either going to fester with that and you're going to end up ending it anyway. Or you can talk about it and you can be like, this is how I feel. I don't want this to end. I'd really like to make this work. Yeah. Can you, like, can we try and make this work? I need you to know that, like, this is a real, like, panic button for yeah. me, you know? Or even just talk about it to your journal. Yeah, I can't tell just you how, get it out. How, how cathartic just writing it out is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, if you are going through a breakup right now, you will get through this and you will be stronger on the other side. You're going to be okay. Yes. And I know that from personal experience, from the experiences of many others, and I think that's one of the most empowering and hopeful things that I can say to myself at this point in time, just knowing that this too shall pass, this is an only a temporary feeling, and there will be a day where I wake up and I think about it maybe once, if not at all. Yeah. Like, that'll come. And it 100%. might take a long time, but you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You want to add anything? Um, I don't know if I can follow up anything more eloquent than that. Um, I, I would say to just remember, um, 
it kind of follows the same thing that you're saying is to just stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in whether you're going through it or you think you're about to go through it or you want to go through it, um, just stay true to yourself and give yourself the credit to like listen to yourself and what you want because yeah. you owe yourself that and you also owe your partner that because no matter what you guys are going through, it, this was somebody that you cared about that you're invested in and maybe you're still invested in them and you don't want to break up. Like these are, these are things that we, we forget to not attack these people and we forget to not be defensive towards these people. And this is the person that you're trying to make this work with. Yeah. So, and if you can't talk about these things, maybe you need to evaluate why you can't talk about them. Yeah. That's very yeah. important. Yeah. So do you want to end this on a super positive note? We have to, because remember we said, okay, because we were like, the first one wasn't too awkward, but we're like, okay, we're going to end this on... Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Deal with all of that emotion. You're welcome. You goodbye. <laughs> um, what's something... Has, do, what, do you want to talk about a doggo moment? Um, I'm down for a doggo moment or, or do you have just another? like a super awesome moment. Okay. What Do you have one? Um, I mean, I have a couple. Okay. One of them is um, I applied for this volunteer um, thing, and I got accepted on the way over here. <gasps> That's I got, like, amazing! I got, like, an, like, they had so many volunteers apply, and I Aww. even, like, have a friend who's in the program, yeah. and he, like, you know, tried out accolades them. for me, yeah. and, like, allowed me to apply late, which I felt terrible about, and then but, yeah. I had, like, an interview for it last week, and then they just sent me an email on the way over here. That's wonderful! Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited it. for you. That's gonna be really cool. Um, so mine, this is gonna sound really funny, because they're very different, but my first one is that, um, Sam accidentally dropped a chip today, <laughs> it was a sun chip, and the funniest sound in the entire world, because it sounds like a human, is Gus crunching down on a chip. <laughs> he just literally just makes the loudest, I honestly want to, like, hire him out to commercials, because it makes the loudest, cr- and he does it like this, and he goes, and he, like, does it on the side of his mouth, and it's the loudest crunch I've ever heard. Dogs but... eating chips is my favorite <laughs> noise. It's the sound in the world. And it was, a, it was a sun chip, right? So it wasn't the, like potato fall apart crispy it was just that really satisfying it sounded like he was asmr biting into a pickle it was hilarious and then my other one that's not so goofy is that i walk for my masters in two days i walk on sunday yeah so i don't know if we'll post this by then but it'll be sunday the 19th and I'm, i'm really excited about that i'm so proud of you yay thank you um we're gonna leave you cheery because that's how we want to so if you'd like to Email, email us your breakup stories, what helps you get through it. Or if you just need to talk. Yeah. Because we're here we're for here. that, too. We like to talk. Or obviously. if you have any more uncomfortable moments you'd like us to talk about. Or yeah. uncomfortable topics. Yeah. Tell us what you want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get uncomfortable. Oh, wait. I shouldn't say that because I think that's the name of another podcast. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> All right.